Happy day before Thanksgiving to one and all. You are listening to episode nine of the Confessions of a Not-So-Dangerous Mind podcast. If you like what you hear, don't forget to like and subscribe, whether you're following me on Spotify or Amazon Music or iTunes or iHeartRadio or even Google Podcasts, or if you're tuning into my YouTube channel. Just click and smash that bell. We're going to do something a little bit different today. Uh, we're going to rewind the clock pretty far back. A thing about me that most people don't know is that I, at one time, was a professional-level blackjack player, which doesn't mean just that I played a lot of blackjack, but that I was a card counter. Um, it's not, it's literal and it's not literal, but being the card counter, just, you're using math to your advantage. You are assigning values to each card in a deck of cards and using that information as the deck, or in the case of if you play in Atlantic City or Vegas, where there are multiple decks, you turn the game from the house having a slight advantage to even a solid player who doesn't count to you having a greater advantage over the house than they have over you. Now, as many of you do know, I grew up playing cards, mostly poker, some gin rummy, a little bit of blackjack. When I was 22, in the summer of 1996, my mom's mom, Grandma Gertrude, the lounge singer who performed under the name of Gloria Dennis and uh, appeared on television. She was a kind of semi-regular on the old Arthur Godfrey show. Um, Grandma Trudy took me to Atlantic City. And I sat down at a blackjack table, bought in for $100. I got uh, 20 red $5 chips. And about six minutes later, all 20 of those chips were in the dealer's till, which means I lost $100. And normally, somebody like me who was um, quick to get discouraged, like many people, you know, nobody likes to lose. That would be the end. But there was something about the game, and there was something about the way it was being played in the casino that intrigued me. So when I got home, and uh, my next day in the city working for my father, I went over to um, the nearby Borden Booksellers, which was about a block and a half from Dad's uh, old office in the Daily News building. And I went into the section of games, card games, and I picked up a couple of books on blackjack, one of which was, oddly enough, called Million Dollar Blackjack. And picked up a few other books, and I started reading them thinking that there was some kind of a trick or a twist that I was missing, but there wasn't. The only way and the way to beat the game of casino blackjack is to count cards. And by that, I mean beat the game long-term because anybody, and we've all, if we played in casinos or if we have friends that we've watched, people can, in the short term, play very, very effectively and you might even say brilliantly and get the shit beat out of them. Or, you can play really poorly, where you're consistently making decisions that give you uh, a lesser and lesser chance of winning in a given hand. 
and you're just smashing it. But these books all discuss card counting and explain the math of it. And um, they all offered some form of a counting system that you were supposed to learn and practice. Don't just show up in a casino saying, hey, I know how to count cards. No, it's much more involved than that. You're supposed to have at least 100 hours of practice before you go from test runs to actually testing yourself under the hot lights of the casino and with everybody on the floor looking to looking for any excuse to shuffle the cards and shuffle away your advantage. So there's a whole host of factors to ponder. Again, it's different now, but this is 1996. So I learned a simple uh, plus minus kind of count, which was called the high opt one for highly optimum one level count. And one level, it just means that you're only assigning values of either one, zero, minus one, nothing else. I did a lot of practice and I had six, I had a six deck shoe at home. Shoe is the, that contraption which holds the cards. And I would play three hands. And the great thing about blackjack is the dealer has literally no say in how the hands are played. The dealer might as well be a robot. That's why you, when you say, well, it's automatic dealer or automatic shuffler, it doesn't matter. Now, it does matter if there's an automatic shuffler. You don't, if you're a card counter, you don't want any part of automatic shuffler because they're shuffling away your advantage every hand or your potential advantage. But the dealer does nothing other than follow whatever the rules are. They have no ability to do anything other than stand on 17, hit on 16, et cetera, et cetera. So I practiced and went to the AC Tropicana and on a long Sunday, I played for about eight hours at a $10 minimum table and I came out maybe five bucks behind. And I, it was like a bad day. I didn't, I didn't live up to the statistics of playing that many hours and I was playing effectively. I don't know how I managed to keep my wits about me and not get aggravated, but there were no crazy swings in either direction. Um, I just played and, um, I, I made it a regular thing that I would drive to Atlantic City from uh, Huntington every weekend. And I gave them enough play where they started sending me, um, I mean, everybody gets comps, but I was putting in enough play where they were giving me free rooms uh, and often um, food and drink credit. So it was just a matter of dealing with the drive. So I did this for about three weeks. And then I decided that I was going to make things a little bit more complicated. And I learned a level two count, which is a significant step up in terms of theoretical effectiveness, but also more difficult to master. Because now instead of just assigning plus one, zero, minus one, now you're doing plus two, zero, minus two, and in a table full of nine, the average person is not going to be able to keep up. But I, at least young me, was not the average person. And you also should understand that I had an attitude. I had a chip on my shoulder. I was always angry and I was always ready to get in somebody's face. It's amazing I didn't get into more fights, but I was very kind of cranky, agitated. That was my default setting. I was a kid. I was a hot-headed 22-year-old. 
not going to apologize for that. But I didn't go to Atlantic City the following weekend. I practiced. I committed to memory uh, because it's not just counting of the cards for people who play blackjack. It's also that depending on the count, you're changing your play hand-to-hand. -hand. You're changing your betting. That's the most important thing. The ranges of betting. And for those of you who know the movie Rain Man, and it's a great sequence, it's beautiful cinema, where the character that Dustin Hoffman plays, Rain and Babbitt, he's doing what I was doing, but he's doing it at the level of an actual computer, not somebody who temporarily, whose brain is giving them the same chance as if it was a computer. And if you follow that scene, he's changing plays based on, there's lots of queens, there's lots and lots and lots of queens, based on what his perception of the remaining cards in the pack. It's the same concept. So when I returned to Atlantic City, having mastered a more difficult level two count, I smashed. I absolutely crushed it. And I had my single biggest score. So I used to go down there. Um, I used to go down there. I, ha I had an account with them where they would allow me to draw a, a marker the first time, right? I didn't have to bring any cash with me. So I asked for a marker for, for $2,000. And my standard buy-in would be $500. And I didn't really want to play at a $25 minimum yet. I wasn't sure that that was necessarily the best idea. So I sat, again, at a $10 minimum, which now would be a $20, a $25 minimum, you know, calculating is 27 years. And sometimes the game just shines on you. But I did find, and people who do this for a living will tell you, that if you count cards, if you are consistently giving yourself the 1% to 2% advantage that the house grinds people down from, you are more likely to have those sunrise, to use a poker phrase, where everything seems to go right. Where when you draw crap, the dealer breaks, you hit a bunch of big splits and double downs, and even hands where you end up stuck with a 13, the dealer will have a 10 up and still break. Sometimes it's magic. And on this particular Sunday, um, my $2,000 marker, which of course I paid back, I ended up returning home with something like 7500 after having paid back the two grand. And it was insane because I my betting was not was not out of control. In other words, I didn't do any of the conventional um, leveraging of the betting or I'm gonna bet this way until I lose two hands. No, I did everything according to the count and what my bets were supposed to be based on the count. So yes, even though I was starting with I I would play two hands of ten dollars. If the count got high enough, which just means that an excess of low cards have come out. Low cards are better for the dealer because they have to draw to 16, and the more 2, 3, 4, and 5 in the pack, the more likely they're not going to break. Um, but that's, that's how it works, which is that when the count gets high, which means uh, a preponderance of the cards that have come out are low, you're going to jack your bet up. But you have to be careful because if you do... $10, $10, and all of a sudden you have a hand where nothing but twos, threes, fours, and fives come out. You say, holy fuck, there's only two decks left, and I got to count a plus 50. I got to bet two hands of 250. No. They will shuffle so fast it would make your head spin. So you can raise your bet, but you have to do it carefully. You know, they call this camouflage. You don't want them to know you're counting because the minute they think you're a card counter, it's over. Because not only will they shuffle, They'll cancel your comp balance, and anytime you increase your bet, 
in that casino going forward, pit boss is going to look at you and smile. They all do the same thing. They're going to look at the dealer and they're going to say something. It's, they don't just say shuffle. They have to drag it out. Like So it goes something like, shuffle. When you hear shuffle, you're done. You're done in that casino. And unfortunately, you might be done in Atlantic City because they'll take pictures and they'll say, yeah, the kid that was playing at, well, the kid when I was 22, don't, don't, even, don't even bother with this guy. He's really good. Now, not all the hotels share, but the affiliated hotels share the information. So that particular day, I was cautious, but at my peak, I ended up where I was betting two hands of 100, but where the camouflage ended up being inadvertent, because that, that's a bet spread you should not do. A 10 to 1 will get you flagged. But there were two other people playing at the table on opposite ends who were betting way more than me. They didn't have a 25 open or it was full, whatever it was. They didn't want to sit in the high limit room. They saw that I had a nice stack of chips. And the thing is, friendly tables, people want to be at friendly tables because when it comes to blackjack, if it's a friendly table, it means people are winning. And by people winning, it means the dealer is breaking a higher percentage of hands than normal. Angry tables, the opposite. So my camouflage was that there were, I was sitting in the middle and there were people on either end that were firing big time that was throwing out two, three, four hundred, five hundred dollars on a hand. And nobody was paying attention to this in redhead sitting there. And the thing is, I was able to, because you imagine, oh, I'm, I must have been like staring hard at the table. No, I had just gotten glasses. My eyesight was probably 25 or 2010 with those glasses. I was able to scan a table filled with two up cards and I could calculate the running count in maybe a second, maybe a second, sometimes even faster. I was like light. So that particular day, I came home with, as I say, $7,500 profit, which is completely insane. The next week, I ended up not winning, but there was, there is a story which is worth telling. I decided I didn't want to uh, play at the Tropicana. I didn't want to take any chances because I had blasted them. Now, I was staying at the Trop but I wasn't going to play at the truck. I decided to go to the Sands, which, uh, not coincidentally, was where my grandmother had taken me, you know, six to eight weeks earlier, whatever the amount of time was. And the Sands had a high limit room where the blackjack was still 25. Most of the other casinos, not most, it was the only casino even in 1996 that still had $25 minimum in the high limit room. Now, generally speaking, the high limit room means, yes, people who are loaded, but it also means people who know what they're doing in most cases. Now, there's plenty of whales who don't know what they're doing and are just throwing money around. But my experience, again, of this game, of playing it and reading about it, is that you're more likely to get people who are at least following what's known as basic strategy and are not just going to you know, hit a 12 against a 6 or whatever kind of ridiculousness that blackjack players see all the time. So this particular day, I did not have a marker. I brought my, you know, the same amount, the 2,000 that I was talking about. I, I had in my pocket. It might have been 2,500, whatever it was. But I, you know, I had profits safely locked up at home, like that kind of thing, if, if things went sideways. So I walked into the Sands high limit room sometime in November of 1996. It would be earlier in the month, so we're talking more than 27 years ago. And 
there was a table that had two open slots together. So my plan, of course, I was going to buy in for 500 and I was going to start 25-25 and hope that nothing wacky happened where I could be eliminated and drop 500 bucks in a couple of minutes because we've all, when I say we've all, people who play blackjack for above minimum, we've all seen it. Sometimes it goes your way and sometimes, the, the, you know, the blackjack gods are not on your side. So I knew that I was going to sit down and I was either going to buy in for 750 or 500 $25 minimum. And I wanted to play two slots. And as I approached, I did something I normally wouldn't do. Rather than my typical, like, sort of patented scowl, I smiled. I smiled as I came in. 22-year-old me, the long red hair. I smiled. And there was a gentleman who was sitting there, because was, they were shuffling the cards. I, it's one thing, I knew people were sensitive to this. Now there's a lot of places where there's no mid-shoe entry. But I never sat down while a shoe was in play because there are people convinced it messes up the flow of the cards and all this nonsense. If you want to talk to me about that aspect of blackjack, about the idiot on third base who hit you know 16 against the four or whatever, I will tell you that it has nothing to do with your success or failure. Yeah, on one hand. But when you play as many hands as I did, it doesn't mean anything. In my illustrious blackjack career, I was helped more than I was hurt by the idiot on third base hitting 16 against a four because he's just as likely to pull a five as he is to break and take the dealer's bus off. We tend to remember when things go sideways more than when they don't go sideways. So I go to sit down as the dealer is finishing the shot. And I say to the dealer, can I play two, spot, two spots? And I always ask the question. I knew the answer was yes. But even angry me, I wanted to come across as if I was not going to be a problem. Because my I never had a problem with dealers. I just didn't really want to talk to anybody or get along. I just wanted to play blackjack. So I go to sit down. And the guy who was going to be sitting to my immediate left was about my... Um, no, well, he's about the age I am now. He was probably in his mid-40s. He had a big stack of chips. Apropos of nothing, he barks out to no one in particular, you better know how to play. None of us are here to lose. I wanted to... I wanted to basically break the guy's jaw, if we're being completely honest. I didn't do anything other than smile and ask if I could play two slots. He took it upon himself to say something provocative. He didn't mean, well, he meant to insult me, but he didn't know who I was. And why would I be here if I didn't know what I was doing? And hey, you play your own cards, pal. You play with your own money, and I'm going to play how I want to play. But I did not give him any back talk. I simply smiled. And I said, relax. I know how to play this game. Let's just play cards. And there was something, I guess, about the way that I handled it. The fact that I didn't match his, his anger, or whatever the hell you want to call that. I didn't match his energy or his anger. I came across as calm and cool and collected and confident. I sat at that table at the Sands for between five and six hours, the 
table was full almost the whole way through. At least five of the people at that table busted out more than once of whatever their buy-in was. It was, a, it was basically a horror show, to quote the late, great Ron Goldstein, who was uh, a guy that worked for my father, and I used to see him in Atlantic City during this time frame. When, when things went wrong, he always said it was a horror show. It was a horror show, except there were a couple of spots where I only survived and I only had certain moves that came through because I was counting and specifically that I was playing a more difficult, complicated count that was identifying favorable situations sooner than the previous count and was keeping me out of trouble when I otherwise would have gotten into trouble of making moves within hands, not doing things. You know, well, I would normally never hit a 13 against a two, certainly never a 14. Yeah, you know what, bro? When the count is minus 40, you hit 14 against the two. So there were these, these big hands where I didn't really get lucky so much as I made adjustments because of what the math was telling. The guy to my left was hitting one blackjack after another, even as the dealer was decimating the table. And I was going up and down, but again, nothing crazy. There was no point where, oh, I'm about to have to you know, rebuy or put it by in another 500 or another 750. I was bouncing back and forth, shoe after shoe, within a $200 range of being down 200, being up 200. Finally, after about five, five and a half hours, came to an end of a shoe, and I checked the chips, and I realized that I'm up, like, maybe I'm up $30, maybe four, but a very small amount. And I'm tired. I'd, I'd had enough. The guy to my left is up at least three grand with just the time we were sitting here. And I got to tell you, I think that he was trying to mimic because he knew what I was doing. There's no way this guy didn't know and did not identify me. Okay, I should have shut my mouth. This kid's a card count. And obviously he knows what he's doing. I don't know if he was specifically following my lead, but I think he was. And But again, that doesn't mean anything because I could be getting killed doing everything right. And the same with him. He hit an inordinate number of blackjacks when he had big bets out there. And this guy was playing, was leveraging. You know, he was progression betting, which is, again, there's nothing wrong with it. But understand that that doesn't increase your chances of winning. It's just that blackjack does seem to sometimes, or maybe more than sometimes, be a game of streaks and slumps where you will lose, 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 and hopefully you have minimum bets out there. But then all of a sudden you hit a hot streak and start, and that's what this guy did. So after five and a half hours, I'm done. I cash out. And I see a couple of the floor bosses and the pit boss are looking at me. They don't look upset. But I, I even at this point, I knew what that look was. I've just been made. They know what I was doing. Now, the irony, of course, is that this other guy took a big amount of money, but they're not worried about him. They're worried about me. They don't want to see me anymore because they know that, not that they can't beat me on a given day. Of course they could. Things could have gone against me. I could have been out 750 and rebought and lost again. But I'll never forget this. I got up and I overheard the pit boss saying, as clear as a bell, that kid's the best player I've seen in years. And man, that felt good. For somebody 
who as a younger person was not used to hearing praise, even though to call it praise is a stretch, it was praise, but in a threatening way, like we can't let this guy play anymore because he's good and we don't want skilled players at our tables ever. And he said that and the floor bosses kind of looked at me and I smiled back. I went like, like one of those. And the guy to my left, the one-time adversarial gentleman who looked as if he wanted to throw hands before I'd even sat down, he smiled at me. Man, he was happy. He lit a, lit a victory cigar. He was just sitting there. We could still light cigars in casinos in 1996, or at least here at the Sands. He goes, you can play. <laughs> and he starts laughing. And you know, it's something that I would do now, even after having a near confrontation. And on that day, I did it. And maybe it was a little tiny spark of personal growth. I extended my hand. And the guy shook my hand and put his arm and gave me one of those, like, good job, buddy. And I walked out of the sands. That was the only time I played there during my, my blackjack period was that day, that ridiculous day where the dealer was, was just crushing everybody except this guy to my left and me. And I didn't play at that level for very much longer. Um, I had a couple of, you know, first I, I had what you would call a downswing, which happens. Again, your edge is so small that things can go wrong. And um, I had two consecutive weekends where my initial, you know, 2,000 or whatever it was, gone, just got absolutely blasted out. Real quick, too. Buy-in for 500, gone. Buy-in for 500. It could be that way, you know, or as they say, it just be like that sometimes. The end of my career so to speak, came at the Claridge, where I had a good day. I was well ahead, but I got sloppy. And the Claridge, where smaller is friendlier, I just didn't play correctly. And in that instance, I was ranging my bet too wide, and there weren't enough other players to give me any kind of cover. And so they figured out what I was doing. And I experienced what I described earlier, where the pit boss, when I tried to raise my bet from 25 to 150, I heard that laugh, the telltale laugh. I didn't realize it was the telltale laugh, but now I know. The telltale laugh, and he looks at the dealer and goes, Sheeple! I knew that I had been made. I didn't know that that was going to be it for me, but... I knew that I'd been made. And um, when I went to, you know, after I cashed out and I was getting ready to go home, I saw that my comp balance, which had been significant, was now at zero. And I was not really able to get a game in Atlantic City after that. The next week when I went to resorts, I was playing a $5 minimum table. And the first time I raised my bet, she up. And that was it. My blackjack career, proper, lasted maybe eight weeks in the late summer and fall of 1996. I went back in 98 and uh, I played a little bit at the Trop, but it just wasn't the same. I, I also was not nearly as sharp as I had been.
because I was not trained for it as I had been. And I don't really regret stopping play because if we're being honest, blackjack is boring as shit. It is a dull game. It's just the same thing over and over and over. And the kind of excitement of the money just doesn't do it for me. That's why I play poker. Because poker's fun. And I know that I will never, ever be as good at poker. I couldn't be as good as I was at blackjack. Because the reality is, you take me at age 22, I was better than the next 10,000 people that walked into a casino to sit down and play blackjack. I will, I will go down on that hill. I know that I was good. And I did a, uh, if anybody wants to see it, you can hit me up in the comments. I did a one-minute card counting tutorial for my Facebook a couple of years ago. I still get asked about it. It's, it's humorous, but it gives you an idea of what card counting can be just from the physical aspect, which is that um, it appears that you're doing a magic trick. Because how do you know that the last card is a, is a nine? How, how did you know that? But that's the story of my brief, illustrious career as a professional blackjack player. That concludes episode nine, Confessions of a Not-So-Dangerous Mind. I hope you've enjoyed this walk back through memory lane of my much younger self, full of confidence and competence. So if you enjoy this content, as I say, don't forget to like and subscribe, whether you're listening on Spotify or the other audio platforms or on my YouTube channel. I will see you all again real soon. Take care.